You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast raising the bar at workplaces everywhere. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective are their own and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, Teresa McQueen. Thank you, James, and welcome everyone to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Today, on our first show of the new year, we are welcoming back clinical social worker and psychotherapist Nadine Gerbach. We'll be talking with Nadine about how to reframe for 2023, the importance of mindfulness, leaning into community, and the anti-resolution resolution. It's going to be a great show. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Workplace Perspective has a new website. Visit us at www.workplaceperspective.com. Check out our new look, including our featured guests and archive sections. Share us with your friends and colleagues to help us continue to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Welcome back to our listeners and welcome back to Workplace Perspective, Nadine Durback. Thank you for having me. Happy, healthy new year to you and all your listeners. Thank you. Happy new year to you as well. Before we get started, as usual, why don't you take this opportunity to just remind our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Well, thank you so much. I'm a licensed clinical social worker in a private psychotherapy practice in Newport Beach, California. I work primarily with adult executives and couples. I'm a mom to three young adults and two golden doodles and have a robust full life here in Southern California. Everybody's loving Southern California. We were just talking before the show about the Rose Bowl and how it shows off the best of Southern California. So it's a good it's a good opportunity to tout our Southern California. Well, so today we're going to be talking about some really interesting things. We always like to start off our first show of the new year with some hopeful thoughts. And Nadine and I have talked and we've got a great show for you. Nadine's got some great perspectives on how to sort of reframe our mindset for 2023. So let's jump in. Let's start with talking about mindfulness. How important is mindfulness to who we are and what we do and how we see the world? Well, Teresa, I think it's incredibly important. It's 100 out of 100 important. You know, moving into 2023, we really want to make uh, an emphasis on mental health as part of our national dialogue. I think we've done a tremendous job of that in a post-COVID environment. And I think if we think about 2023 and beyond, mental health is as important, if not more important than any other element of of health in a global sense. And when you talk about mindfulness, I like the expression, be where your feet are, right? So it's so easy to be perseverating or worrying about an uncertain, unknown future. And it's just as easy to be caught up in the past. So many of us think if I woulda, shoulda, coulda. But when I look down at my feet, it is a visual reminder that I'm right here in the present. So I am reframing towards a mindfulness and a presence. And this is what cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, teaches us. And 
I'm right where my feet are is an excellent, excellent visual to just put us right back into the present moment. Take a deep breath. Breathe in. Let it go. Look down at your feet and be right where you are. I think that's lovely. I think it's really difficult to be in the moment, you know, depending on your personality too. I think it's some, it's harder for some people than other because sometimes I think you can be so forward thinking that you forget to stop and pay attention to what's going on. And like you said, sometimes you're too worried looking back about what you should have done, what you could have done, how it could have been done better to let it go. I agree. I think it seems to me, at least from a workplace perspective, I really see mental health becoming more of a national dialogue, people becoming less stigmatized, people more willing to say, putting their hand up, I need time, I need to work this way, I need to live this way, I need to do it differently. Is that kind of what you're seeing and sensing? I really am. You know, I've I've got some clients who I encourage them as leaders of their organizations that before they start an executive meeting or a board meeting, why don't we hold a mindful minute, which is an opportunity for everybody in the room to kind of go inward rather than be so focused on outward. What am I going to say? What do I have to contribute? How is this going to land? What are the goals here? Let's take a minute to just kind of clear the internal landscape so that what's going on internally for me can be reflected in the most positive way externally. I think that's great. I think that's great. I have such hope for the workplace. Everybody knows I talk about all the time, but I do have such hope for the workplace. You know, we have younger generations coming in, different mindsets, different upbringings, different values. And I think it's going to be even more, especially on this issue of uh, wellness uh, in the workplace. You know, Teresa, what's happening in uh, the workplace nationally, it's really a laboratory for what's going on in society overall, in our education systems, in our homes, right? So if we have a well-functioning work environment, that tells me that people that make up that well-functioning work environment and... um, the ROE, the rules of engagement in that workplace environment, that gives me hope that what's happening in the homes of those people is is similar. And so I like to think of the workplace as a working laboratory for what's possible in greater society. Absolutely. I love that. We'll have to explore that further. That's a whole show in and of itself. There you go. Well, I want to talk about this idea of so because the new year, we're all about trying to look forward with that mindset of how can we make it better than what we had last year? How can we do it differently? And it's the time for resolutions. But I've never been a huge fan of resolutions. I have to tell you, it's always a set to me. It just it's a setup for disappointment. Um, And I know that's a terrible way to look at it because it can be very positive and have a great effect. But you have a really interesting perspective. You were talking when we were planning the show about the anti-resolution resolution. resolution. Tell us. Well, definitely. You know, I don't know if there's any current research on this, but somebody really should look into this from from an academic perspective. Just do a, a sort of quantified study on gym membership. Right. (laughs) You know, look at the gym membership on January 2nd. Exactly. Membership on the second of every month. And I'm sure that by around March, April 2nd, there's a significant 
significant decline. And so while I'm not a fan of mediocrity, I think we should always try to excel and we should commit ourselves to being lifelong learners and we should commit ourselves to excellence. The whole idea of making resolutions, I agree with you, is probably a bargain with yourself towards failure. And so I do talk about the anti-resolution resolution. And I think what I'm really saying underneath that is when we make a resolution on December 31st and we wake up on January 1st and we say, I resolve to, what we're really saying is I have to change. Something about me is not quite right. And what if we started to shift that towards acceptance? Instead of an outward focus on change, I have to be thinner, I have to be stronger, I have to be brighter, I have to be richer, I have to be more of this and more of that. What if we started to take a look at what we already are and work on accepting who we are and how we show up? Now, that doesn't mean that we don't carry flaws and that there isn't room for improvement. There's always room for improvement. And I see that and I'm very encouraged by that with my older adult clients, my you know, 70 to 85 year old clients who are coming in and saying, I've done this a certain way my whole life and it's not quite working anymore. And so I see that older adults come with a desire for growth and for change, which is great. But what if we also, for those of us who are in the workplace and active in the workplace, what if we start to take a look at who am I and how do I accept that in the face of something new? So I, I love that anti-resolution resolution. And, you know, over your lifespan, you want to maintain a growth mindset. We want to commit to being lifelong learners, but it starts from a place of acceptance. That's so true. In that aspect, I think if I understand you correctly, it's it's also an opportunity to stop and sort of focus on not just the bad things, right? Because there's things about ourselves that we think maybe we need to change. But I think if I understand you, Craig, you're like, maybe I don't need to change that. Maybe I just need to accept that's who I am and embrace Correct. it. Correct. Correct. Really, it's asking yourself, how can I make the most of who I already am? You know, that. that understanding that I'm imperfectly perfect and perfectly imperfect. I love that. And that kind of goes to those... <laughs> What you have to fight to do that is that recording in your head, those lifelong recordings in your head that tell you, you are not, you are not X, you are not Y, or those old tapes, right? Correct. And that's where great therapeutic techniques like cognitive behavioral therapy come along and teach us that the brain is command central and that if we can rewire the loop that feeds and the voices that, you know, resonate, if we can change that narrative, then there's hope for changing how we feel about ourselves. So for many, many years, we understood or we thought that our emotions came first. But what we really understand is that the brain dictates the emotions. The brain is in control. Our thoughts come first. And so I work with clients in the corporate sector to think about this concept that I call tea, drink your cup of tea, T-E-A, thoughts or cognitions. Once I know how I'm thinking about something, then I can move to emotions or feelings, the E part. 
And when my thoughts and my emotions are congruent with each other, I can then choose how I want to respond. I can work on my behavior. I don't have to have a knee-jerk reaction. I can articulate and I can manifest a response. Oh, that's awesome. What was the acronym again? T, T-E-A. And I'll often say, drink your cup of tea. I love that. I love it. All right. Well, we are up to our break time. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, more from Nadine on how to reframe for 2023. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Take a step toward bringing our country and community together. Start a meaningful conversation at lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step. A message from StoryCorps, Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. If you enjoyed today's show, do this. Share us, like us, give us a review on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot to us and it ensures more people tune in and raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking with Nadine Durbach about how to reframe our mindset for 2023. So we've talked about being mindful. We've talked about that anti-resolution, resolution, sort of accepting ourselves. What else do you think is important to give us a leg up on sort of reframing that mindset in the new year? Thank you, Teresa. You know, in a post-COVID environment, I think one of the most important things that we can focus on is this concept of community, your professional community, your neighborhood community, and the village that you surround yourself with made up of family and friends. I think we need to work on reconnection and connection because I think that three years of COVID really spoke to isolation and many of us became isolated professionally, personally, relationally. There's this tremendous study that came out of Harvard called the Harvard Study of Adult Development. And in 1938, they found 724 participants from Harvard and low-income teenage boys from Boston. Many, many years later, more than 1,300 descendants from these original 724 also became participants in the study. And from all the data, Teresa, one clear finding emerged, and that is that strong relationships make for a happy life. Strong relationships make us happy. More than wealth, more than IQ, more than social class, the robustness of our bonds is what determines our fulfillment. And social scientists, psychologists, and researchers in the mental health field today call this social fitness. When we have social fitness, our propensity for living longer, reducing stress, reducing depression, anxiety, all of this is impacted. And so there's this real emphasis moving into 2023 on community and social engagement and reconnection. And I can't stress to your listeners enough, get out there and get together. It's true about the post-COVID thing, and it's great advice. And I think that people are just now realizing, I think a lot of people felt who got through the pandemic, got back out there and have thought, I was okay. Looking back, I was okay through the panel. I know it was a little isolating, but it's okay. But I think those people are coming out of the pandemic and getting back together with people and realizing actually how much they were isolated. Because I've noticed that people are sort of, which is why we wanted to talk about this today, but they're sort of refocusing and resetting with different priorities. 
now that we've come back. And I think they're coming to that conclusion that it really is different. All of those things that I thought were so important to me that were taken away in an instant, or those things I took for granted that were taken away in an instant, I think are, they're finding their when they're coming back, it's it's more important than they realized that it was. And they're giving priority to that and learning how to get back and get into it. But I want to ask you this because I've noticed it. The friends that I've had from childhood, that's easy. I mean, even the friends that you haven't talked to in a long time and you pick up the phone and you know you, you can reconnect easily through that shared growth experience, your youth, you know, your teenage years, college years, whatever it might have been. But do you think that we forget beyond those sort of long-term relationships? Do you think we forget how to make friends as we get older? I don't think we forget. I just think it becomes more complicated because we have a lot of stuff that we bring to the friendship space. But we definitely don't forget. And in fact, I think it's so important if you're able to connect with your inner child you know, and recognize like, I have an inner child, you have an inner child, hey, let's have a play date, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, lately, I've been going to coffee shops, I've taken my children to the theater, and people are masked, but there's definitely an energy and almost like a vibrancy, a vibration that sort of is felt, it's like a magnetism that is felt when human beings share a physical space. And of course, Zoom and technology was a tremendous asset and continues to be one. But we should never, ever think that that is a full replacement for the experience of human beings sharing time, space, energy and connection. And I think that if we look at the research that I'm so fascinated by, it's Blue Zones, Blue Zones Research the blue zones are five geographical spaces in the universe where scientists are finding people to live beyond a hundred years old in great vibrancy. Okay. And some of these places include right here in our own neighborhood, Loma Linda, California, Okinawa, Japan, Sardinia, Costa Rica. There's one or two maybe that I haven't mentioned, but these are pockets of the world where people are living past 100 in great, great health and vibrancy. And one of the determinants that social scientists have looked at is social connection, that the people that are living past 100 and doing so well in these pockets, in these regions, have social connection and have friends old friends, new friends, they have the capacity to maintain friendships. So there's really something to be said about the idea of getting out there and making a friend. You know, I've just taken up pickleball, for example, it's all the, <laughs> but I'll tell you that I'm the youngest in my pickleball group by 15 to 20 years. And at 52 years old, some of my friends that I'm hanging out with three, four times a week are 77 years old, and they are delightful. And I am learning so much with them and from them. And they have brought a tremendous amount of joy and humor and uplift into my own life. And so there you go. At 52 years old, I've made friends who are 25 years older than me. So, you know, it's a good idea to keep some friends 10 to 20 years older, 10 to 20 years younger, 
and always be of the mindset that you're never too old to make a new friend. I love that. As humans, we're hardwired for connection. Well, that's a good thing to remember, I think, especially if you're fearful of getting out there and doing that. It's, you know, that's a good piece of advice to remember that we're, we're made this way, you know, we're made yes. this way. We're made to connect. And to awesome. that if you've got some social anxiety, you've got to know that probably everybody else around you has some too. Right. I was just thinking about, I was connecting it to networking. And how, you know, people get all anxious about networking and going to a networking group or showing up to a networking event. And one of the things about that is it's kind of the same thing. It's like, there's no need to be anxious because everybody in the room is there to connect. They're there to make a connection. So half the battle's already won. Find someone to talk to, you know? Correct. In fact, if I was the leader in that environment, I would probably start from that place. Just acknowledging that this might feel awkward and uncomfortable, but on some level, we're all experiencing it. So let's lean into it, right? Versus that, that concept of accepting where we are versus changing it. Let's accept that we're all feeling this low level social anxiety. We've all been apart for three years. Let's take a deep breath and dive in. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, as we wrap up today's show, I want to hear from you sort of your top three tips for getting everyone started on reframing. Well, that's just great. Thanks for that opportunity, Teresa. You know, it's an old adage and maybe people are past hearing about gratitude, but there's just no way that you can talk about mental health without talking about gratitude. The enormity of gratitude should never be overlooked. And developing a gratitude practice, being oriented towards gratitude, being mindful around gratitude is something that can really start to create subtle shifts in one's mental health. You know, the other day I was pulling into a parking spot and I said out loud, oh, thank God this parking spot was available. And my 16-year-old rolled her eyes at me and I said, what? I'm so grateful to the universe that the exact spot that I needed was right here. And it kind of created a shift in me for the next couple of hours. And so being able to say thank you out loud, there's this idea that if you put 10 pennies in your pocket, 10 coins in your pocket at the beginning of the day, throughout the day, you should be transferring the 10 coins one at a time from, let's say, the left pocket to the right pocket, so that by the end of the day, all of your coins have been transferred to the other pocket. You have found 10 things throughout the day to be grateful for and to attach gratitude to. I think that if you're able to, whatever situation you find yourself in, imagine putting a rickety, old, splintered wooden frame around it. It's not going to look good. It's not going to appear very pretty. It's not going to feel good. But then in your mind's eye, imagine putting a gilded, magnificent 18 karat gold frame, thick gold, shining, brilliant, beautiful frame around this very same scenario. All of a sudden, the entire feeling changes. Okay. And when we think of gratitude, we can think of it as a ray of light, a ray of gold. And we can think of it as a force of good. And gratitude is energy and gratitude is connection. And so going back to what we spoke about earlier on the show with 
getting out there and getting reconnected, picking up the phone, sending a text to somebody that you're grateful for, you know, the hard work that they're doing in the office, that you're grateful for how well they did the presentation. You're grateful for their support. That can go a long way in 2023. Wow. That's awesome. I thank you so much. I'm so grateful for you and for you coming on the show and giving and us I'm these great- equally grateful for you and the <laughs> incredible work that you and your technical team at Workplace Perspectives are doing. You know, as adults, most of us spend a big chunk of our lives in the work environment. And I think that, you know, you are doing something tremendous to help people in that environment reframe everything that they're going through. So thank you. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for joining us and sharing your thoughts and your expertise with all of us. Very much appreciated. Make it a good day. Thank you. Thank you so much. You can learn more about Nadine by visiting her website at www.nadinedurbachlcsw.com. That's N-A-D-I-N-E-D-U-R-B-A-C-H-L-C-S-W.com. You can also connect with Nadine via our website at WorkplacePerspective.com. I want to also thank our listeners, my angels, James and the Nave at Night and Workplace Perspectives team extraordinaire, our engineer and producer, Paul Roberts, our associate producer, Melissa DeLacy, with music provided by the very talented Stephen Bersaloni. I want to thank you all for joining us on Workplace Perspective. And until next time, keep raising the bar. Wow.